Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 175 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a world-class software practitioner and business coach, consultant and trainer. He is an author, keynote speaker, and a globally recognized expert in software development and delivery improvement, particularly using Agile Scrum and other lean Agile thinking approaches. So welcome to the podcast, Neil Killick. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So, Neil, I'd like to maybe start by asking you to maybe expand on that introduction. It obviously talks very much about your involvement and a focus on Agile and Scrum and so forth. But how did you get into that? Where did you start? So I was a programmer, first 15 years or so of my career, starting back in the late 90s. And, yeah, I guess somewhere along the way, I, um, I started to um, become aware of I suppose, the agile movement. But even before that, I was always working quite naturally in in that way, I suppose. You know, I was working directly with customers, you know, getting feedback on a sort of almost daily basis, collaborating, all those kind of, uh, I suppose, agile um, principles before I was aware that agile existed. And then probably somewhere in the mid-2000s was when I became aware of agile. and, And I just thought to myself, well, that just fits pretty naturally with the way I way I already work so that's pretty cool and went from there and I suppose I, I suppose I then got interested in the topic when I eventually I joined a programming role which was uh, in a scrum team and I suppose it sparked my interest into scrum as, as well and um, yeah started learning more about that and then you know obviously uncovering the roots of scrum which is in you know lean manufacturing and you start sort of you know there's a whole world of uh stuff that opens up opens up and then before you know it you're uh, you're you're an agile lean scrum practitioner exactly um, yes and then here we are today <laughs> so do you see yourself as a bit of an evangelist when it comes to agile and scrum and lean and so forth look i suppose people would see me that way and i would definitely have been like an agile evangelist and a scrum evangelist earlier in, in my career nowadays i mean obviously I, I talk and write a lot about about these topics but I suppose the emphasis I try nowadays is put more on the problem we're trying to solve and the how we get our work done better and more effectively together rather than sort of centering it on Agile or Scrum or any of the other methods or frameworks or tools or anything like that. Sure. So I don't evangelize Agile per se. I obviously am a big advocate of sort of Agile thinking and Agile mindset and Agile ways of working, but I try and make that more accessible to people who don't know much about it, you know, by not focusing on that, because then the problem is you then start focusing on the, the processes and the practices and not actually about the ways of working, the ways of thinking, which is more reflects how, how I work. It's, it's not a particular practice or a particular method that I use. I, you know, I use a whole wide range of tools and techniques and thinking. So I sort of evangelize that rather than uh, agile per, per se. Yeah. You know I mean? and, and you also mentioned it's about the outcome as much as anything else. Yeah, well, look, for me, it's, it's always been about that. You know, I, I started my career as a consultant, uh, you know, a trainee software consultant back in the day uh, with IBM. 
that probably put me in good stead because it meant that my role was always not just about you know writing software; it was about solving problems and and you know achieving outcomes for customers. So I always seek to find what it is that I'm trying to achieve rather than just going blindly ahead with whatever has been passed down the down the chain. You know, I often talk about nowadays. You know, it's funny how we have these kind of separations of roles like programmer and business analyst. When I was a programmer, we were called analyst programmers. We were expected to do the analysis on what what it is we were supposed to build and how it would solve a problem for the customer. Whereas, ironically, nowadays with the rise of agile, you know, the programmers are actually further away from the customer than they probably were were when I was、um, working back in the late '90s and early 2000s. So. It's all about outcomes and, and objectives, problem solving for me. It always has been, always will be. Okay, so Neil, can you perhaps share a top career tip with the audience? One perhaps that they should know and may not. It's always difficult, you know, when you look in in, in retrospect as, as how you've ended up where you are now, and what, you know if there was any particular key moment or key decision that led to that. I would say, in my case, I have done a lot of stuff. I've worked in many, many, many companies. I think the, the longest tenure I've had anywhere has, has been about three and a half years.、Uh, I know a lot of people spend many years in one place. It's always quite sort of remarkable to me because I, I could, I suppose, I find it difficult to imagine doing that. I've always, I suppose, my brain has always been wired to not get bored. I think bored is the wrong term, but to always be seeking a new challenge and feeling that I've got momentum in what I'm doing. So. My career has spanned all kinds of roles across IT and software, and also the business as well. And because of that, I've got experience in, in all of those things, which really helps me now in terms of connecting the dots. When we, you know, we talk about building software, and it's a, you know, in Alistair Coburn's words, it's a cooperative game. You know, we have to work with people, not just other programmers. We've got to work with people across the business. So, getting experience from all of those different different areas and different types of companies. I've worked in startups. I've worked in big corporates. You know, medium-sized companies. So that wide range of experience has shaped.、Uh, it helps me do a better job nowadays. So probably my career tip would be to just immerse yourself in as as many experiences as you can in your career. And you know, even if you stay in one company, you know, experience other roles in that company. If you know, if they, if they give you the opportunity to do that, if they don't give you the opportunity to do that, you know, you've got to seek to grow. And the only way you can really grow is by moving to other other companies and getting new experiences. New people, new domains. I suppose I'm not saying that people should just hop hop around jobs willy nilly, <laughs> but but、um, definitely be driven by your purpose and your values. And I find myself leaving places if they don't align with my value system. I, you know, it's extremely important to me. I want to be doing things that I feel like I'm making a difference, making a con- contribution. If I don't feel like I'm making a contribution, I feel like I'm drifting along. Then I will, you know, try and. Speak to whoever I can in my role to to make make it happen, but it's just not going to happen. And that happens because companies go through different phases and projects go through different phases. And you, you just sometimes you just through no fault of your own, you end up in a situation which isn't good for you, you know, mentally or career wise. So if that happens to you, then look around out there. It's a thriving a thriving market out there with so many a world of opportunities out there. So、um, keep looking and keep sort of striving for for growth, I suppose. Do you feel for yourself though that it's it's partly down to your need to learn and and maybe expand? Maybe I don't think I've ever really looked at it as a thirst for learning. So maybe earlier in my career, probably I probably really really was trying to learn as much as I could. 
I still do enjoy learning, but I would say now that the driving factor for me is more more my values. Yeah. I want to be working with people, A, with people that I can trust and respect and have integrity and have a sort of a driving passion for doing the best possible job that they can and, and delivering an outcome. I find that I struggle if I'm not with like-minded people in, in that respect. You know, nowadays I'm a, you know, independent consultant and I tend to work in kind of quite short engagements with businesses, you know, very, very objective driven. You know, I very deliberately make them short because I want them to be objective driven and not just sort of, particularly with a role like kind of agile coach, agile coach, it can so easily just drift into, you don't really know what you're trying to achieve. You're just, you know, floating around coaching and it's very dangerous when you end up in that situation because you, you just don't know if you're, if what you're doing is aligned with uh, what is expected of you and wanted of you. So, um, yes, I love learning new things uh, and probably always will. But, uh, yeah, I say that's probably more earlier in my, in my career as, a, as the key driver than it is nowadays. So, Neil, can you perhaps tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? You know, I mentioned before that I've, I've worked in um, sort of startups as well as large corporates. You know, working in a startup, you know, you can get lots of amazing positive experiences, but you can also get a lot of negative experiences. And that's the risk you take when you join a startup. And, you know, I worked for a startup early, early in my career. And, you know, um, when I first joined, it was fantastic. I was working with um, some of the best developers in Melbourne. The company had, you know, really... Um, had a lot of seed funding and was, and was spending spending money on uh, bringing the best people into the company. So I was working with fantastic uh, developers. I was at this stage in my career more of a sort of business analyst slash scrum master slash iteration manager and became a product manager a bit later. But um, so it was fantastic when I came in. But um, I suppose what became apparent over time was that the company was kind of really lacking in a bit of a vision and a direction for what they were trying to achieve. And what that meant was that in our teams, we were basically very, very frequently being asked to change direction and, and, and throw away what we were building, which is kind of bad enough. But it actually got to the point where it became became quite toxic in this company, I suppose, because of the lack of direction. And, and you know, so we weren't really achieving much and, and you know, we're building things every day but none of those things were really um what the sort of founders of the company really wanted and they just kept changing their mind and what they wanted so people are getting more and more increasingly frustrated because we were just we just weren't seeing the fruits of of our labor then what happened was the senior leaders thought that it was the developers were the problem or the management of the developers was the problem and so then brought in these very very traditional thinking project managers who basically came in and I remember um, literally being brought to a sort of uh, uh, an all hands um, meeting for the company. And basically they tore down the sort of, uh, I suppose the agile culture that we'd built in the space of like 10 minutes, basically. So, you know, they'd basically written a doc. It it sounds ridiculous when you actually reflect back on it, but they'd written a word document, which basically said, you know, in the first paragraph said, you know, this agile stuff that you you guys are doing isn't working we're now going to bring in a new methodology right (laughs) and um and basically they brought in this i don't even know what what we call it but it was this this kind of really task oriented methodology where literally we would end up doing like three months of detailed task planning up front 
really literally down to the tasks we would be doing. You know, I'd become a product owner at this point. The product owners had to go and leave their teams and go and sit together. The testers had to leave their teams and go and sit together. So basically, we reformed functional silos rather than cross-functional teams. Yeah. It basically it was almost like running of the a video backwards of, a, of an agile <laughs> transition. Uh, um, and of course, which you know, all of that caused a lot of you know, everyone got very upset and annoyed. And then, to be honest with you, the company then. I mean, it actually got really, really toxic after that. And they even stopped paying people's superannuation and then even stopped pay, paying people's salaries. But yet was continuing, they were continuing to hire people whilst not paying the existing staff. So I remember they would actually be parading around new new people and the people sitting there who hadn't been paid for like, you know, three months. Oh, dear. But were being asked on faith to carry on. So I would never sort of throw away the experience of that because, you know, well, A, you know, in the beginning of that that role, I learned a lot of very valuable things about how not to do things. You know, it's almost like the textbook on how to not run a startup, which was extremely valuable. And at the end of the day, it's the sort of bad experiences as well as the good shape how effective you can be later on. The, the reality of our, of our industry is that things, you know, things go wrong. And that's fine. Every project or every initiative, you know, is going to have ups and downs and things that don't work and things that, you know, just you just have to can and, and what have you. But it, what it also highlights is that there is some toxic stuff that goes on in our industry, and you've got to be a bit wary of that and be a bit careful. You've got to immerse yourself into experiences and 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 try these things, but also be aware that, particularly with with, with startups and what have you, particularly when they're very very driven by the, the funding that they're getting and they're not. They don't seem to have a real purpose and direction. I was at that stage of my career. I just didn't see it coming because I'd never, you know, I'd never experienced it. So, so nowadays, you know, you become a bit more worldwide and you can see patterns of behaviour and that happen. You know, even in even in larger companies, you know, when you can tell that things are getting a bit toxic and you can tell that there's um, management are hiding things from people and and it's you know, it, I suppose you just you build up six sense of these things. Whereas when you're younger, you just kind of you know, you're just happily, merrily going along and, and you know, you because you typically don't have that much responsibility. So you're just doing your job and learning things and you sort of, you, you don't really see the stuff that's going on perhaps further up the company. So, um, so yeah, that was a pretty, uh, it, it got dark at the end. I suppose I was quite fortunate in a way that I got asked to leave the company before it got really, really toxic and a few other people were as well. Um, again, just completely out of the blue, just told, yeah, um, you know, it's not working out for you here. Sorry, yeah. off you go. <laughs> which which was kind of yeah, just total nonsense. And um, and I've had yeah, I've I've had sort of similar experiences elsewhere. But um, yeah, as I say it's, it it all shapes it uh, does our experience and and helps us be better better practitioners later on. Yeah. Okay. Um. So Neil, moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? A career highlight. So it's interesting. So, you know, you can interpret this in different ways. Some people might think of it as, you know, this was the kind of defining moment of my career or whatever. When I look back on my career, and it's been, I suppose, about 23 years now, the fondest memories I have are the ones where I was just working with a really smart, engaged team on an interesting project, which delivered a great product for the customer and and a great outcome. And I remember what I used to work for a company that does sort of geospatial technology and, um, 
and in car in car technology like um yeah sort of telematics is called so in car technology and i actually got to work on some of the first you know nowadays we use like google maps and it's you know it's very second nature to us and we you know driving directions and everything but when i was working for that company at the time i think it was yeah early 2000s we were working on some of the first sort of trip planning applications and traffic management and um, more traffic estimation technology. Yeah, the RACV here in um, Victoria, they had a they had a trip planner on their website. And it was kind of the first um, website where you could go in and put put in um, where you wanted to go, and it gave you driving directions. So I was involved in in writing that. So what was great about it was that you know I was writing the code to do it, but also you know also was able to sort of do things like get you know get out on the road and you know be um testing out routes or journeys and the uh, the traffic stuff was really interesting as well so doing sort of traffic estimation estimate how long the journey is going to take figuring out what to include in that estimation you know because you've got like the, the flow of traffic but then we'd also be incorporating data from the sensors at the traffic lights and what have you so it was a really really interesting um thing and it was yeah it was, i suppose i'm quite proud of that now and I look back at the stuff I've, I've built to be involved in some of the sort of first at least in Australia I don't know worldwide but yeah online mapping and uh, route planning applications I enjoyed it from a technical challenge point of view I enjoyed it from a the, the people I was working with were super smart I actually explicitly remember working with smarter people and that's a great tip is to you know surround yourself by people who are smarter than you because that's how you grow and learn new things and it feels scary and challenging at first, but then it feels fantastic when you when you start to really sort of learn new things and mesh with those people. So I enjoyed it from that perspective. I enjoyed it that we had autonomy. You know, there was no one passing down requirements and solutions to me and saying, this is what we need you to build. We were discovering what we needed to build. We were test, you know, we were experimenting with different frameworks. We were figuring out how to solve the problem which is, you know, what I sort of try and advocate for nowadays, you know, to go back to your question about evangelism, if anything, what I evangelize nowadays is giving the smartest people in our companies, which, which tends to be the, you know, the, the developers, give them problems to solve and not don't tell them what to do and what, what, to, what to build. Because when you do that, it sparks the, all of the reasons why you became a programmer, the, the pursuit of sort of creative problem solving it feels fantastic to be given a problem to solve and, and you, you get to figure out how to do it and then you solve it and then you see the fruits of that and you see that become a sort of successful product product in the wild is a pretty um, awesome feeling. Yeah, so that's probably would be one of my one of my career highlights, yeah. So, Neil, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? I think the exciting thing about it is that it's there is such a variety of roles in sort of IT nowadays because IT is now no longer just the sort of um, the dodgy part of the the part of the company where you know the geeks sitting in the corner you know fixing your computer it's it's now permeating across everything we do in business what that means is that you know that even if you're not necessarily interested in the sort of programming side of things there are so many other roles in this, in, you know, technical roles and non-technical roles in IT because it, it's just open. You know, when you look at roles like product owner, you know, this role has really emerged from from IT in terms of from you know in, in terms of from Scrum and, and Scrum software teams, 
but that role is all about being a, a you know a business representative a customer representative so you know my background is is all in technology and programming but you know i had to sort of start learning about how business works and you know how do we how do we um write business cases and how does that turn into things that we're actually going to build and you start learning about all of this uh, ecosystems a- across the business yeah that let's say permeate through technology so there's just a plethora of opportunities for, for people and people coming into it you know seeing you know we see a lot of people who are recognizing that there are roles in it that aren't necessarily going to need them to suddenly be expert technologists and they can come into it which is fantastic you know people are coming across from having no experience of it into roles like scrum master and, and product owner and then immersing themselves you know into product development that product development ecosystem which you know nowadays i i tend to not even call it software ecosystem anymore i call what i do product development because really the software is kind of a given we know that we're writing software you know in most cases i know that there's places that are purely um, purely hardware and what have you but in most cases it's it's software underpinning what we're doing yeah, and you just you're just seeing those those world of opportunity open up, which is you know which is exciting. Um, a for just you know new people coming into the industry, but also I suppose one of the challenges with our industry is that it's very very undiverse. It's very traditionally been sort of you know middle class white men, and now because it's really branching out and uh, into you know wider across the business and across different industries and um, different types of companies it's just naturally becoming more diverse and then to add to that there's a recognition that we need to do more in the industry to make it more diverse and bring more more diverse thinking and and uh, backgrounds and cultures into our industry so you know that's exciting because it's a recognition and it's happening and company and big companies are actually recognizing this and doing actually having initiatives to do that so um and you know i know from experience that the best teams i've worked with have been the ones that are, there have been a mixture of people uh you know men women old young uh different cultures different backgrounds those are the, are the best teams because you because you, it's a meshing of experience if we're all the same the software and the products that we build are are, are all going to be um they're not going to be fit for purpose for you know the wide ranges of, of, of customers and users so yeah, so that, so I think all those things are, ex- are exciting. Yep, no, I agree. That's a, I mean, you've touched on a number of things there, and particularly, obviously, diversity. That That is so important. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Okay. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? So this one's pretty easy. I think I, I, I remember my dad bought me a um, – well, bought, bought us, should I say uh, – a BBC microcomputer back in the 80s, 32K memory. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, it was just it was just amazing, right? It was just this amazing device. So I just, uh, you know, I would start spending hours on that thing every day and I learned to program on it in BBC Basic, and, you know, and started writing programs for doing all kinds of things. I remember I wrote a program for, um, I used to play a lot of snooker and I, I wrote a program that would allow us to, do scoring in the game and have like biggest break and all that kind of stuff and i remember the if the computer had been on for about an hour running this program it would like heat up to the point you could like fry an egg on it <laughs> um yeah uh, so yeah so that was um so i think i just fell in love with, with technology so and then i did computing at university and it was just a natural thing for me i suppose to to get into it as a career and what is the best career advice you've ever received 
the one I can uh, remember <laughs> most uh, was was actually not that long. It was a few years ago. It was actually to, and, and particularly in, in the nature of the role, which I, where I came in as a portfolio manager or a program manager, but this, this really applies to any role. The advice was that, you know, when you join a new company, you're going to get added to, onto all the mailing lists and what have you, and you're going to get bombarded with um, meeting invites. And what we tend to do, you know, even when we're not new, we, we tend to accept meeting invites as a, almost like a default. And what my friend said to me when I started this role, he said, look, when you get these uh, meeting invites in, don't just accept them all. It's really important, particularly in your role, to, to make sure that you have availability in your calendar so that you can actually do your job. So, you know, you've got, you're managing people, you know, you're, you're managing a portfolio. If you spend all your time in meetings, you're not going to be able to do that. I speak to so many people when I, you know, the different companies I work with whose, their, their days are just dominated with meetings. Like, it's, and, and it's almost like a badge of honor if your calendar is filled up with meetings, it's, you know, it shows that you're busy and, and you're important. Well, actually, I don't think anyone, no matter what role you're in, can do your job if you're, if you're in meetings all the time, and particularly if you're supposed to be taking care of other, other people and you're managing other people. So I think probably that's probably the best advice I've ever had is to actually make your default to not accept meetings and only accept ones if, you, if it's very clear what the purpose is and it's actually going to be a value add for them and for you. Yeah, don't fill your calendar with, with stuff. Actually figure out what you need to do to be successful in your role. Figure that out. And, and that's independent of the meet. That's other people setting their priorities and agenda on you. That's not you setting your own agenda. If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? It's interesting, actually. So um, actually the other day, uh, or the other week, I was um, hosting a meetup. And there was some um, young uh, graduates there who were looking for internships in product management. And it sort of got me thinking about, you know, what would, you know, what's my advice to them? And, you know, my first reaction to them was, you know, was probably, probably represents what I'd feel about this is that you just need to initially find a role that is going to give you maximum exposure to, you know, the, the, the most sort of experiences that you can. We'll try and identify whatever role it is that you, that you accept Try and identify the people around you that you can learn stuff from and basically attach to them and, and almost whether they like it or realize it or not, make them become your mentor. Yeah. Go, go and actively uh, learn from them because the only way that we can get experiences in things is to actually just go and do it. Reflecting back on your question earlier about learning. Okay, so, you know, obviously when we're just learning things by reading books or reading articles – what we're learning is is we're really learning theory even if it's presented in a practical way until we've actually experienced it it's just theoretical so and you know so many times i've i've sort of thought that i've learned something useful and then when i've actually tried to apply it i've you know I've catastrophic catastrophically failed in in applying it well and then you know often we, we then mistakenly think that there's a problem with the thing that we've tried rather than the fact that actually anything new that we try is going to take lots and lots of iterations of doing it before that we actually uncover the effectiveness of it. So we have to actually experience do, um, just throwing ourselves into things and trying things and failing at it really, really badly in order for us to get better at it. So for example, like often, often people come to me, you know, like I coach, you know, budding scrum masters, for example, and they say, 
how do I make sure that I, you know, I've got a planning meeting come up. How do I make sure that I facilitate this planning meeting, you know, really well and, and what have you. And you know what, I can, I can give them, you know, I can give them some tips, but at the end of the day, if you're facilitating your first planning meeting, it's going to suck really, really hard. It's going to be a, a catastrophic failure and you actually have to embrace that and just realize that it's part of the journey of, of growth. So rather than doing a lot of book learning and theory learning, that's all great. So, I, you know, definitely, I would definitely not suggest you don't do that. But really what's more important is to just try and accept every opportunity you can to do something that puts you out of your comfort zone, to, tr- to do something different that you've never done before. When I accepted a portfolio manager role, I'd never been a portfolio manager before. At some point, in order to get experience, at some point, you're going to start with zero. It's the only possible way you can get experience. So you throw yourself into something not knowing how to do it, and then you learn how to do it yep. by doing it. That, for me, is, is what I've kind of done all the way through my career. Sometimes people call it fake it till you make it. The only thing I'd modify there is that I'm not pretending that I know what I'm doing. I'm, you know, very explicitly saying, look, I've done this before, but I haven't done this before. So, you know, this thing will be new to me, but hey, I am passionate about doing this thing well. So I'm going to probably do it badly the first few times, but then I'm going to get slightly better and then slightly better. And then before I know it, people are then looking to me to mentor them and coach them in that thing. So that's probably the best piece of advice I can do is I can give is to just take opportunities when they come and throw yourself into it and don't expect that you're going to be good at it straight away and don't just rely on book learning and don't just rely on uh there's no fast track to becoming an experienced practitioner you've actually got to live and breathe the you know the bruises and the you know the good times the bad times you have to live through that expect that you're going to need experience to become really really good at those kind of roles like product management any kind of management role any kind of coaching role it doesn't matter how much theory you know you'll never be good at it until you've actually got plenty of years under your belt of doing those things and you only get years under your belt by immersing yourself with people who've done it before learning from them experiencing um you know observing them trying what they're doing and then and then adapting and, and figuring out how to how to do it yourself and what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far again when i think think to myself of what i look for when i'm hiring people what's that sort of core skill that sort of transcends whatever it is the nature of the the job or the project the specific project we're working on is there's two and one, one's humility and the other one is empathy now humility probably isn't a skill it's probably a you know it's a trait that one exhibits but empathy i think is a, a skill that you can learn you know you have to have a natural tendency to sort of care about people and care about what the, the effects that you that of what you do has has on other people but when you think about the nature of what we're doing and, and at the end of the day we're always we need to work with other people for one and we're building things that for customers and for clients so we need to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of other people uh, in every aspect of our work so whatever it is i'm doing every single day it's if, if i do this what is the impact on other people around me that i'm working with my colleagues you know the, my managers and also my customers you know, if I put myself in their shoes, you know, am I giving them what, what they need? So I suppose that persistence and uh, uh, the uh, relentless pursuit of meeting people's needs over just doing stuff that you've been asked to do and not worrying about the consequences, 
you know, for me, it's it's a sort of a leading indicator that if you sort of operate in that way, then you know you're not going to be a particularly effective practitioner in, in sort of the IT space. So empathy, definitely. And Neil, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Again, when I look back, I have made so many mistakes over the years uh, in terms of, I suppose, the way I've the way I've treated people or, or, or behaved. And, and what I mean by that is, I don't mean treating people poorly, but I mean, often we, when we learn something new, we almost start thinking that we're, we know everything about that, about that thing. We can actually, if we're not careful, become a bit arrogant about that. And we forget that we're working, often working with people who, uh, you know, have probably been through what we've been through and have, have gained more experience and now, you know, there's this sort of upstart now sort of telling them how, how things should be done. So the best advice I can give is that there is always going to be people with more experience than you in, in different, and, and, you know, well, often we talk about experience in general terms, but people who've had lots of different experiences over, over the years and probably know a lot more than you. So we've got to be humble about, about, our, um, about what we know and what we don't know and how we approach things and do not try and change people do not try and convince people of things you know particularly in the agile space you know and, and this is why I kind of shy away a little bit from the evangelist thing is that I've you know when you learn about something new and you think it's awesome you then sort of naturally start evangelizing evangelizing it and telling people that oh this is the way you should be doing things and there's a little bit of arrogance you know often in the agile community of you know if you're not doing things this way then you're not agile and you're not you're not effective. You know, I've been part of that problem, and I've sort of reflected on it, and I, um, you know, and I've tried to become, you know, much 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 better in that and in not doing that, and actually meeting people where they are and appreciating, you know, that there's a context behind every situation and where and where they're at and where, how they've arrived in that situation, and just helping them navigate through it rather than judging them in terms of why they're doing things in a particular way. I think that's sort of um, just really, really focusing on not judging, being humble, because that is how you actually influence things for the better. And how and and, and well, a you have a better time and you enjoy it more because you 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 don't have you know you have fewer kind of conflicts with people where they where they you know they get prickly with you because they think you're trying to change them or convince them of something. So it's be- it's better for you, and it's and it, and you're going to probably go further in your career if you have that humility there's a fine line between confidence and, and arrogance and it's and it's good to be confident as a young pr- practitioner but if, if you show arrogance then sort of more exper- experienced people will probably yeah they'll probably step away from you rather than embrace you and want and want to help you up, yeah. up the career ladder so i hope it doesn't sound too uh, too fluffy you know given that we talk about it but i honestly believe that nowadays that the the, the, the best traits in it are humility and, and, and empathy because we are working with people, we say we're no longer just the geeks in the corner. We're, we're working with 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 non technologists, technologists, uh, people who have l- lots of different um, experiences in terms of what technical means. Often we we say technical meaning just you know development skills or programming skills, but there are so many other aspects of being technical. Even things like um, facilitation skills, you know, that's a technical skill. It's not a soft skill. That the ability to be able to facilitate you know, 20 people in a room in an hour to come to a, 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 a very specific outcome at the end of the hour is a skill. It's a hard skill. 
and it's something you have to hone and and um, hone over the years. So, you know, a we we should not underestimate um, and undersell all of the skills that go into building things effectively together and working effectively together. Arguably, they are more important than the, than any technology yeah. or any technical skill that you have. So. If you're empathetic and humble, people will want to mentor you. You'll learn loads of stuff. You'll get loads of new experiences. Customers and clients will gravitate to you because you're trying to help them and, and passionate about solving their problem rather than just doing what it says on the on the contract or in the requirements. So that for me is 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 it would be probably the my major piece of advice. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? So I have uh, my website, neilkillick.com. So you can contact me through there. I'm also on LinkedIn and I'm very active on Twitter, uh, neil underscore killick. You can contact me in any of those ways and um, yeah, that'd be the easiest way to do it. Neil, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. No problem at all. Thanks, Phil. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people, get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes, and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.